Need some help acing your upcoming dental school interview? Dental School Acceptance Day in December is fast approaching, and our seats for mock interviews are filling up fast. Be prepared for all interview styles to ensure you crush your interview no matter where you may be going. Be sure to secure your mock dental school interview slot by visiting our website at onemissiondmd.com, where you will also find student testimonials. Best of luck to people applying this cycle. Ali and his wife, Ikra, are going to be D1s at UNLV this coming fall. So we're going to have a conversation with them regarding how their experience was and how they managed to get into dental school at the same time and at the same dental school. If you're tuning in here for the first time, go ahead and check out the playlist where we also had conversations with current dental students regarding their experience. So go ahead and check that out. Make sure to subscribe to the channel if you aren't already and like this video for more future content. Ali and Ikra, thank you so much for agreeing to being on this episode. Welcome to the channel. Thanks for having us stay home. I'm, I'm really excited to do this uh, interview with you. Uh, we've been trying to get together to do this for a while, but it just... I think our schedules haven't really aligned that well. Go ahead and give us a little brief like introduction regarding who you guys are and how you guys got into dental school in a couple minutes. Um, I'm Ali, as you already said. Uh, so I finished my uh, bachelor's in biology in 2018 when I was graduating from undergrad. And then I got my master's in biology also uh, last summer. So uh, summer 2020. And then... Um, now, obviously, we're going to be starting dental school in September here. I applied three times to get into dental school starting in 2018. Uh, this was my third cycle. And then thankfully, finally, I got accepted. And unexpectedly, we got into the same school, which has been really amazing. Like, uh, I think uh, we couldn't have really hoped for this, but we're really happy that it happened. So my name is Ikra. I am Ali's wife, <laughs> as we have established. But yeah, I um, went to U of H for my undergrad, and then I went on to do a master's. Um, and then this is my first time applying, so thankfully I got my first cycle. But besides that, um, I'm a very artistic person, so anything creative, I've always been, um, that's been my thing. So for me, that was an important aspect of what my career should involve. And then what else about me? We have two cats that we love a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. That's kind of similar with me and my brother. My brother and I are at the same dental school, same class. Same, same elementary, middle, high school, college, dental school. Like it's, it's honestly a blessing to have someone ride along the journey with you for sure. As pre-dental students know, applying to dental schools is no small task, even applying once. Can you guys give us a little breakdown in terms of what you were looking for when you were applying to dental schools and deciding I'm going to apply here? For me, I had a lot lower of a GPA than most people who apply to dental school. Uh, and that's definitely like a big reason why it took me three cycles to get in. So in 2018, when I first applied, I'll just throw out the numbers. Like I had a 2.95-ish cumulative GPA, and I think my science was around a 2.8. So that really like screens you out of a lot of schools, uh, even if they don't really say so. So one of the things that I was looking for is what are the bottom fifth percentiles for every school? And you can use the ADEA uh, guide to kind of see that. And then the next thing, which I think is really important, something I would have 
um, really emphasized more when I was looking for these schools is where would you want to live? So I didn't really do that the first cycle. So I applied to all the schools who like to lower GPAs. And then um, I just like applied to as many of those as I could, which looking back, that's a mistake. Like you should only apply to schools that you would attend. How many schools um, did you apply the first cycle? The first cycle, I applied to 18 schools. Okay. Yeah. Some that's people, a lot. You know, some people yeah. applied to more, but well, uh, they I do think, actually. I've heard. Yeah. Really? Yeah, some I've people. 16. What? 16? Really? Yeah. Wow. Oh my God. Yeah. No, I see a lot that's of people applying to like 30 schools. It's definitely yeah. way too much. And it, it probably doesn't look good on your application either. Mm -hmm. Um, but now I can say the things that I looked for in schools were definitely somewhere that I would want to live, uh, school with a curriculum where you're going to get to work with a lot of complex patients. So typically those are cities with, um, some underserved people, uh, people who don't have access to care. Usually that's like a big city. Yeah. Um, it can be rural too, but. Well, how, what was the second I mean, cycle stats? Second cycle stats was still under 3.0. So I had like a. I want to say like a 2.99 mm -hmm. and then my science was getting up there too it's like 2.9 and then this cycle um i had over a three for both of them so i think i was a 3.1 cumulative like 3.02 science um again like i don't think the numbers are super important but then i think maybe there is a cutoff of 3.0 for some schools so you definitely want to get your gpa above that if you if you haven't already well, that's that's an important topic you brought up whenever people feel like I'm not a strong applicant. I need to do something. I need to do a master's. I need to do a post-bac. The first thing people think about is I need to do the master's. But sometimes they end up ignoring their undergraduate GPA. And even if you kill the master's, and if, like you said, some schools have a cutoff threshold of 3.0 and below, then they're going to drop it from the application. They'll, they could have the best master's, but if the GPA is not at least at a 3 then that could hurt you. So what you did is exactly what you should do. Try to improve it to the three so that you can make the threshold and then just put the cherry on top with just killing a master. So what you did was exactly what everyone should be doing. That's awesome. To, to give you a general overview through throughout my first four and a half years of my undergrad, I took six years to finish undergrad, by the way. Through my first four and a half years, I think I had a 2.5 overall and like a 2.1 science GPA. So that's with like and how many credits? That's like 130 credit hours. So you can't you can't increase it very easily. Yeah. So then, like I think after that, I had close to 100 hours of a 3.8, including the rest of undergrad and my masters. And after that, I'm only at a 3.1. So it's it's a long journey, but um, if you're in my position, you have to really take the DAT seriously. Understand that that's what will set you apart. So I ended up getting a 25 AA. Yeah, I, I dude, when when I got that printout of my DAT score, <laughs> yeah. like I think my heart stopped for like a couple of beats. I was like, oh, you know, no, no, no matter what score you get, everyone taking for the has their heart stopped. No matter what your score is, because it just yeah. comes up in, on the computer yeah. screen out of random. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, it was like the relief I felt. My God, it was. I can't. I can't explain it. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, if if any of you are in the same position as me, you have questions about that, please feel free to email me. What about you, Ikra? For me, um, the thing is the goal was to get in together. So wherever he applied, I kind of also followed suit. Um, but the thing is we had, our criteria was to be in a location that we actually wanted to live in. And um, also a strong clinical because our plan after school, at least as of now, is to probably start practicing immediately. And we also want to 
um, open our own practice. So it's important for us to get as much clinical exposure as possible without having to resort to like AEGD or GPR. So our criteria was a strong clinical program, um, a place that we wanted to live and a place that was willing to accept us together. My GPA was like uh, like a 3.5-ish, so it wasn't that bad. Um, but I still did the master's because um, my undergrad was a bit rocky. I had some personal issues. <laughs> so um, yeah, I just felt that I needed some time to kind of like grow and really focus on school and get my priorities straight because I was kind of going back and forth between different um, uh, healthcare professions and I just wanted to make sure that I was making the right decision. Obviously, I'm sure Ali had a big influence in it that he picked dentistry. So aside from the fact that your husband was going in that, what made it, what was the deciding factor for you that made you feel like this is probably what's going to make sense for me? It was actually my art teacher who suggested for me to go into dentistry because um, she saw that I was a very artistic person, but it wasn't something that I wanted to do as a career. But um, I realized that I needed a career that would be hands-on. And I feel that dentistry was that perfect mix of healthcare, science, um, art. And also it was very, there's a lot of different topics and a lot of different skills you need to have to become a successful dentist, particularly a practice owner. So with all that in mind, including the business aspect, the marketing aspect and all that, I knew dentistry was right for me because I would never be bored. <laughs> so, yeah. I think it's really cool how your art teacher mentioned for you to consider yeah. dentistry. That's pretty cool, actually. She was very nice. She would talk to me about different things and she would be asking me like, oh, why don't you go into like architecture? And I'm like, no, I don't want to do architecture. So she was the one that su suggested it. And it's something I would never have considered. Like dentistry was not in my mind at all. Um, so I'm grateful for her to mentioning it to me because otherwise I don't know if I'd be here. That's awesome. Yeah, we always need to make sure to have mentors along the process. And it doesn't matter what the background of that mentor is. If you yeah. think they can help you, then that's all you yeah. need to be worrying about. That's awesome. Iker did, Iker did really well too. Actually. Yeah, I got a, oh, I got a 23 oh, wow. AA and then I got like a 28 on PAT and a 29 reading. Wow. So those like really high scores, I think, you know, helped me yeah. and piqued their interest in me, especially because I was, my angle for my application was like, I'm an artist. So mm -hmm. with a 28 PT definitely supports yeah. my, you know, claim. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, we both, we both were in positions where we had to do well on the DAT. Yeah. Yeah. And if you, if you find yourself in that position, don't rush to take it. Like yeah. be ready, right. be ready for it. So you know, one thing about the DAT, you kind of touched on it, just start. Yeah. Don't worry about going over everything that's the challenge that people have they're like there's so much material i don't know how to commit everything i don't know what i know i don't know what i do know so just keep going that's yeah. the most important thing i mean again like if you guys have any questions um you can dm us on instagram or just email us and we have like breakdowns and we have flashcards that we're willing to share as well i have an anki deck that has like three four thousand you know cards on it just know that the dat is easier than the test prep yeah a lot easier in fact i was shocked yeah but that doesn't mean you can slack if, slack if you want a certain <laughs> score like let's say you want a 21 22 consistently be scoring a 21 22 on your practice tests and if you're doing that then you're fine you're ready yeah. for it 
One thing people forget to look in terms of criteria is what the school's out-of-state acceptance yeah. is. Oh, yeah. Right. That's another thing. That's one thing. We had like an Excel spreadsheet and everything. Like We looked at all the numbers because we didn't want to waste our time applying to a state school that accepted like 1% of out-of-state. So that's another yeah. uh, aspect that we also looked yeah, at. If you're out-of-state, don't apply to a Texas school. Yeah. Don't apply to... <laughs> no, you can apply to Texas school. Unless if you have the cash. If you... Well, okay, but like yeah. if you live in Arkansas, I think is one of the schools. If you... I don't... Anyway, uh, just make sure you look at all the different criteria that you have to hit for a school. What their GPAs are, DAT, but more importantly, do they even accept out-of-state students? Um, Basically, they, use the ADEA yeah, dental school yeah. Yeah, A lot of people, yeah, and and that'll say like their requirements for shadowing, what their prerequisites are. Like, don't apply to a school without the prereqs because you're not going to get in. They're going to immediately filter you out. Usually, unless you contact them, talk to them, say like, is, like, is it okay if I'm missing this? Can I yeah. take this this summer? Before? Well, some schools might do that, but actually, most say that if you have it in your planned coursework because mm -hmm. when you're applying you can show future semesters yeah. so as long as that's the case then that means you'll be taking it before matriculation but yeah some schools might be very strict on that uh, yeah you have to you have to hit their criteria if they want three letters of recommendation from a science professor you probably need three yeah and so and on dat boot camps facebook group people keep asking do i need two do i need three do i need four just look at the school bro yeah, yeah. it's literally all there just google it so what advice would you give to any couples out there that are getting ready to apply together to dental schools? What would you what would you tell them? Yeah, I was going to say that for couples that want to apply together, it's important for for you to realize that you're still your individual person and that means your stats and your qualifications have to stand alone before they can be considered together. So, um yeah, you need to make sure that you're a qualified candidate and that um, you will fit the criteria and to get admitted. And then you can consider and talk about the idea of couple getting in together. Because um, I would think that first you need to apply to a school. And once you get an interview, then you can bring up the fact that you guys are a couple and that you would love to you know, get in together. Yeah. But I wouldn't really necessarily bring it up before because you don't want to make yourself like a package deal yeah. and they might reject one person or the other because of that reason. Yeah. So I'm just gonna make sure that you stand alone as a qualified candidate before you ha look at putting together, putting each other in a package deal. That's excellent because you're yeah. each individual applicant, no matter if you're married, siblings, whatever, you're your own person with different experiences and everything. Exactly. Go ahead, Ali. You can't, you can't, you can't like expect schools to give you special consideration because yeah. you're married, you know? Yeah. And uh, the only time I would really say you can like bring that up professionally is if you've both interviewed and then you both decide that, hey, if we were accepted, we would commit to this school. At that point, you can send a letter of intent and say, hey, like we would love to go to your school for these reasons and this is why we could contribute to your school. Um, on that note, don't send a letter of intent to a school you're not going to attend. If they, because yeah. that's, so, for example, when I was talking to a particular school, I mentioned to them, like, what if um, I'm applying with my sibling or spouse or whatever? Do you guys consider that? And then they just told me straight up, no, like, we're not going to consider that. I don't care who you're applying with. You're you have to apply with, on your own merits and we're just going to judge you individually. Sure. I was like, OK, whatever. So for that school, I didn't bother um, mentioning that because it wasn't going to help. 
And I didn't want to seem like I wasn't going to move and go to that school without him. Um, so you don't want to uh, say anything that will make it seem like you're not going to move there unless someone's going to come with you, you know? Yeah. Right. But for other schools, they said, um, they encouraged us to like give them a letter of intent, actually. And um, because we had both already interviewed, I saw that as an opportunity to let them know. And I also know that, you know, some schools do consider the fact that your support system is very important, especially during dental school. Mm. So um, they saw that we were both good candidates and they liked both of us, thankfully. And once we mentioned to them that we're a couple, I think that definitely gave them a reason to accept us both because they know that we would be more successful together as opposed to being apart. So it really depends yeah. on the individual school. Yeah. Um, but I would caution to mention it from the get-go because, again, you don't want to make it seem like you're unwilling to go to that school unless your husband or right. your sister or whoever is going to go there with you. Right. So did uh, UNLV suggest to write a letter of, of intent before I, I recommended you guys to do it? Or was it like after like... How um, they had like some informational sessions and um, she just said that, you know, if you are really interested in this school, just let us know. So I was like, okay, that's basically saying that you want us to write a letter of intent if you really want to go to this school. And so that's what we did. Um, I just took, so schools will tell you like what they want or don't want. Some yeah. schools are like, don't send us a letter and they'll emphasize that over and over again. And then some schools are like, yeah, we want a letter. Or we want you to tell us. Yeah, so you don't have to be scared to ask. You know, like yeah, you can ask. Like, them. Do you prefer us to send you a letter? With with some schools, you know, they have more qualified applicants than they can accept. So it helps to tell them, like, hey, I would commit to your school if I was accepted. You know, they um, a lot a lot of schools have high turnover rates. Um, not necessarily like. Not turnover yeah, rates, but yeah, they but people like, who accept and then later change their mind. Yeah, this it makes their job a little easier, I think. But again, I feel like a lot of students kind of like ask each other. But who you need to really ask what the school wants is the school itself, and yeah. you shouldn't be afraid to ask them questions. And no one's going to give you a more clear answer than the school. Yeah. So you shouldn't be asking like other students necessarily, or like reading SDN trying to figure out what school wants what. You should ask the school. You know. That's uh one thing that I feel like people shy away from yeah. they're like oh like you know whenever you're writing an email to a professor you're trying to be like super formal you don't want to sound like yeah. you're saying something wrong yeah. you're like saying sorry like in your mind after yeah. you said something whatever you're going somewhere for four years to become yeah. a doctor you can ask whatever you need to just make sure you're not being a pest but <laughs> just ask whatever you need to but yeah no it's funny you mentioned the email thing because we would make like i would read his email and he would read my email like we're like oh, proofreading it. How's my grammar? Yeah. And then like, one time I wrote DMD instead of DDS, and I was like, "Oh my god, oh, they're gonna hate me for that." And I'll, but then you know, it yeah. just it's a one, it's, it's, it's a, a little thing, you know. Yeah. And I think what you also mentioned, Ali, about if you've both interviewed, then that opens the door for bringing up yeah. that in the con yeah. and like what you said, maybe not bringing it up from the beginning is a good thing to do, probably because it just shows that. I don't know. Code it's just not, you it's don't just not very like, professional. Yeah, you know, so. you're not you're not applying there, like she said, as a package deal. Yeah. They want individual dentists. Like maybe like you're gonna you're gonna work in the future as a dentist on your own, probably. Like when you get that first job out of dental school, you're not necessarily gonna be working at the same practice, you know. So or like working on the same patient at the same time. Like you have to be your own person before all of that. 
I got a question for you, Tehom. How is uh how is like living outside of Houston been? I don't know if you like lived away from your family at all before dental school, but you know, living in Arizona now, like has that been difficult being so far from family? It's definitely a challenge. So my first time was when I actually left from Houston for my masters. Yeah. I went to Cleveland in Case Western. That's where I'd like Yeah, I was looking into masters programs and the only reason I picked it was cuz it had the highest dental school matriculation percentage in the entire nation. Were, like, no, but they did have some type of linkage room with their medical school where if you had like a certain GPA and MCAT, you're guaranteed an interview. Yeah. The dental school didn't have that. Yeah. But the percentages that they had, I didn't see anywhere else. It was like an 85 dental school percentage rate of matriculation, yeah. I got into uh, Midwestern's master's, Harrogate in Tennessee. Um, where else? I got in... I got into two more. I'm forgetting where they were, but... Um, I went to Case Western. Yeah, they also had an online thing, but... What I'm getting to is like, that was my first time moving out and it was tough. Like I didn't know anyone there. I was only there for seven months because I found out about dental school while I was in it. That you found out you were accepted? Yeah. Oh, nice. Oh. Yeah, I applied simultaneously to dental schools and masters at the same time. I was, I was crazy. I don't know. I was just going all over the place. You want to make sure that you're, if something else happens, you already are yeah. doing something else. Yeah. You know? Plus I was about to get married at that time. Yeah. So that's another thing. <laughs> Yeah, I. That's when I started getting white hair. Actually, Dude, I, I got white hairs in my beard. Like recently. I know I have a lot I'm too. Like, what, am, I, lot. am I dying? No. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we got married. Um, how many? How long before my DAT? Like Just, a month. A month and two days, I think, before my oh, DAT. Yeah, yeah. So it was very stressful. I mean, hey, I'm happy we got married, but it was not a fun time. I think. <laughs> um, you know, I asked that question, and I realized you're actually going to dental school with your brother Sarab. So I'm, yeah. I'm sure it's nice to have that like support base. Do you feel like you guys kind of, you know, you have like maybe different friend groups and you have that luxury of like getting notes from one group and another group? Or is it kind of like you're all around the same? So it is definitely amazing to have someone with you along the process. Um, I've actually had the same friend groups with my brother since I was in elementary school wow. till today. Like literally, awesome. yeah, it's it's also because our gap is just one year, like in a few months. So that's the major reason. Same class, same year, same school. So yeah, we're sitting, well, before COVID, we were sitting next to each other every day in Sim Clinic. Like I was looking at his preps, he was looking at mine. Um, but after COVID, like, you know, they split up our class, but yeah, it's been awesome. And everyone's helpful in our class, bro. Like everyone, like, I don't know if it's because of the pass fail thing that we touched upon earlier off camera, but no, everyone knows who's trying to specialize. Everyone knows who's trying to be an oral surgeon. Everyone knows who's trying to be an orthodontist. But at our school, I don't think I've felt that no one's sharing notes because of a competition at our school. So the question is, is that let's say only Ikra got into UNLV and only you got into El Pasos. What would you guys do? Would you think about applying again or would you go with it? What would y'all do? I mean, we thought about this a lot, really. Like, we, we kept, like, bringing this up, like, week after week. I think we would have ended up going to different schools. Because, like, let's say she turns down her out-of-state offer to reapply in-state, but doesn't get in the next year. Like, what do you do at that point? It's just hard to get in dental school in the first place. So, yeah, it would just really suck if we were separate. But at the same yeah. time, um, our careers also matter to us. So... 
yeah, you can't really reject an acceptance because it's already so hard to get in and it just looks bad. I would say if there are, for the three or four couples in the country that are applying together to go to school, <laughs> if you guys are listening, um, I would say don't go into it with the expectation that you're going to get in together. You know, like that's, that's with anything just, in life. Just, just prepare don't, yourself. Don't have crazy yeah. expectations for anything in life. But, but there's plenty of people who have like long distance relationships, yeah. you know, like people yeah. who get in dental school, they say like, oh yeah, I'm in a long distance relationship with my boyfriend or something. So, I mean, yeah. it's not like it's impossible. Yeah. It'll just be a lot harder, but you need to prioritize, you need to prioritize what's important to you. And for us being dentists is important to us. Yeah. So more so than just being together all the time. Yeah. Right. So make sure you're okay with not getting in together. Like, yeah. cause that can't be a prerequisite for you being a dentist or a dental student. Like Definitely. anyway, um, you're your own individual person. Yeah. Yeah. You have to be yeah. your own person, you know, have your own hobby marriage advice have your own hobbies <laughs> have your lives away from each other have your own friends anyway. yeah. Yeah. my brother actually is going through that right now because his wife is in medical school at unt in dallas fort worth and he's in dental school with me so every week we're not doing anything in person if it's an online like session or whatever he's in dallas he flies yeah. there all the time yeah. and i can't even imagine i mean i got a little taste of it because my wife didn't move in with me until second year okay. so when it's uh, in 2019, like two, three months before my school started. Oh, so yeah. You were yeah, we were apart for a year. I mean, she, we in the fall, you have a bunch of breaks, Thanksgiving, Christmas break. So like she came a lot during the fall break, but like we weren't living together at the time. Um, but then she came and it was awesome. And then one thing actually I wanted to tell you guys, which is really good for you, is that obviously you're going to be living together. So that means that only one of you guys are going to have to take loans for living expenses, yeah. which is yeah. awesome. And I was telling this too, because I was like, okay, either you can go to El Paso and I'll go to UNLV, because El Paso is a great, like, a great school. I wasn't, I was hesitant to, you know, pass it up, even though at the risk of, I mean, we be together at UNLV, but I kind of thought about it. I'm like, okay, but living expenses mm -hmm. will be cut down. And then on top of that, traveling expenses, because I'm pretty sure we'll travel and like meet mm -hmm. each other. Yeah. And also the emotional toll. So I was like, you know what, in the grand scheme of things, I'd rather just be together and yeah. spend a little more to be together as opposed yeah. to just, you know, trying to save or trying to save a little bit of money. So Truthfully, yeah. the cost difference was like a lot less than I expected. So yeah. I think I think we calculated it. It was like eighty thousand dollars. Between eighty to a hundred thousand, not even including like cost of traveling to see each other yeah. and everything. So So when did you guys submit your applications and when did you like have your supplementals completed for you when you started hearing back from everywhere you applied? So uh, this is my third year applying and I had my stuff together this year. Like I was really on top of it. So I applied the very first day the application opened. Uh, I had my letters of recommendation in and everything. You know, I had all my shadowing and volunteering from years until now. Um, I had taken my DAT ahead of time. So I applied, uh, I think this year it opened June 16th or something. It was like delayed a little bit. And then I started getting my interviews in August. Um, and then I was mostly done by December. And then I got uh, my UNLV interview. I had December 3rd, I think. So I wasn't in the first wave of acceptances. And then I had another interview in um, February that I turned down because at that point I'd been accepted. But yeah, so I did my UNLV interview um, December 3rd. What about you? How did your application cycle go? I mean... Well, first thing what I did is um, 
I made like a little document, like just of all my shadowing experiences and everything, just in one like Word doc before I even started the application process because you kind of like forget what you do and you need to keep track of everything. And also maybe write a couple of like sentences, sentences about your experience so you remember like what you did. And so when it comes to time to apply, all you're doing is kind of looking at that and then just transferring it to the application. So we worked on the application really early actually. And I submitted, I think in the end of like end of June, mm-hmm. um, I took a little more time cause I mean, I didn't have my DAT. So, you know, I didn't really, and plus I was waiting for a couple of letters of recommendation, but it's about timing. So obviously you want to apply as early as possible. And then, but the thing is because of COVID, my DAT got canceled oh, and like I just kept on pushing it back as well because I was so nervous about the exam because for me it was gonna like make or break my application you know and I was already feeling really stressed because of the fact that I really wanted to get in with him mm-hmm. so um, eventually I didn't take it until December 1st and so in reality um, even though my application had been submitted and verified at the beginning of July it wasn't complete until December like the end of December mm-hmm. once my DAT scores got verified um, some schools accepted the DAT, like the unofficial report. So immediately, which, whoever, whichever schools accepted that, I sent it to them. But um, yeah, it wasn't really until end of December that my application was fully done. Interviews, um, I so because I didn't submit my DAT till December 1st, I didn't start getting any interviews until beginning of this year. Um so I got three, four interviews, and after I found out I had been accepted into UNLV, I just declined the other two. But um, when was your UNLV interview again? Beginning of February or end of January? Yeah, that sounds right. It was like end of January. So I didn't. So I started getting interviews after the first wave of acceptance had already happened. Yeah. So. And at that point, we knew that UNLV was the school that we would commit to after we both interviewed. So we sent, you know, we sent, uh, we both sent letters of intent. Uh, first off, saying like why we're interested in the school, like how we like the cl- uh, clinical curriculum and, and how we thought we could contribute to the school. And then at the very end, we said, you know, um, granted, we're married, like first off, we would definitely commit to the school and um, this would be a great opportunity for us. So it would be an honor and a yeah. privilege to attend so, school together. Yeah. Us so, being married yeah, wasn't yeah. the yeah. focus of the email. Yeah. You know? That would have been unprofessional. I think I think we we did it the right way. Yeah, y'all did. I took a look at y'all's letter. It was yeah, very well written. Yeah, yeah, no problem. And you know, another good thing that you brought up was it's very common for, well, for now, because people's DATs were getting canceled. Yeah. So that's very important to have everything else done. Yeah. So, and I think that's what you said you did. Everything was completed. Um, I was just also doing like a little bit of volunteering, so I would update that. But um, I think this cycle was different because everything was pushed back. So I think there was more post-December interviews. So thankfully it worked out in my favor, but I think maybe in previous cycles, it may not have been as forgiving. So I was lucky because I pushed it back so much, but only because of the COVID situation. So knowing everything that you guys went through, this whole process, would there be something that you would change in your application process or something that you learned during the process that you'd like to share? Considering I applied three times, I would say um, be be genuine to yourself. I don't mean like, 
like not that I lied on my application or anything, but I wasn't really right off the bat trying to fully understand why I was pursuing dentistry. I was just trying to check some boxes. You know, I have my shadowing, my volunteering, um, so on and so forth. I didn't really explore that fully for myself, like what it was about dentistry that interested me. You know, I didn't. Um, and I think like as you're writing your personal statement, that's kind of something that will reveal itself to you. Um, I would say start on that as early as possible. Give yourself months and months, get a lot of people to look at it um, and really, really just be true to yourself. Try to try to fully understand yourself, learn about yourself as you go uh, instead of trying to check boxes. To, to put it generally especially when it comes to volunteering i think um like you might sign up to do some things but you don't like volunteering mm -hmm. at that thing so you want to enjoy your time and enjoy the journey i would also suggest um maybe doing some volunteering and things that really interest you yeah. like for example i really love animals right so what i wish i did was volunteer at like an animal shelter and it doesn't matter what kind of volunteering you're doing what kind of community service you're doing um as long as it's something you enjoy, obviously yeah. alongside with dental related things too, but yeah. like just community service in general, I think you should do things that you really want to do and have fun with. Yeah. Because like every single applicant has the same stuff. Like everyone's yeah. gone shadowing, everyone's volunteered at these clinics. It's yeah. so like have something that one, yeah, first and foremost, you enjoy, but also that sets you apart a little bit. They're going to be like, oh, this guy volunteered in an animal shelter he, yeah he walks dogs like walks yeah. people's dogs well like, when you do ba something babysits cats like that's awesome yeah and when you do something that you like you when when it comes to interview time and like writing in your application you seem a lot more genuine and excited and they want to see that they don't want you to like say like oh yeah i did this and like you're just like you know monotone like seem bored yeah if you show passion and excitement for what you've done it just it makes a big difference get good grades <laughs> yeah like, get do, good do grades. well in your classes yeah take your classes seriously yeah, take your classes if you're seriously. shadowing and volunteering make sure it doesn't have a negative impact on your classes you're still getting those a's um will make your life a lot easier i can promise you and you know you touched on the experiences section a lot of people when they read or like talk to upperclassmen or people in dental school they're like oh every experience has to be dental no and you're absolutely right yeah. that's not the case especially when it comes to like volunteering they're like oh i have to go to a clinic i have to shadow yeah. shadowing's for you yeah. to know if you're gonna like it but you can do volunteering at an animal shelter you can volunteer anywhere it doesn't matter what you're yeah. doing keep track of all your stuff while you're doing it and don't kind of wait for the last minute to like remember what you did the past four years because yeah. Number one, you won't remember exactly what you did. And then if you have like a really um, significant experience, you might forget what exactly happened. Yeah, so if there's any like yeah. things that stand out to you or like a experience or like interaction you have with the patient that really touched you, I would definitely write it down because when it comes to time to like write your personal statement or just to even submit the detail of what you did in that activity, conveying those emotional and like significant um, events is going to be a lot more beneficial for you and your application and that's something like you said you know writing why it was important the journaling aspect it helps you in your personal statement absolutely like you said and that's what i've read like 50 personal statements of pre-dental students and the number one thing that's lacking is the reflection yeah. what they learned why was it worthwhile they're just doing a laundry list. I did this, I did this, I did this, yeah. and this is why I did it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's what usually they are. We actually have a 
personal statement walkthrough happening on the 27th of March. And we're going to go over and read over y'all's personal statements. So if you're interested in that, go and follow this link and you can go ahead and sign up for that. So many essays start off with like, I wanted to become a dentist when I went to my orthodontist. I'm like, oh my God, how many essays? I'm going to read about that. Almost every one day. And you guys are feeling this. So imagine what academic advisors and like yeah. admissions counselors feel when they yeah. read the same thing over and over. That's, that's wow. Uh, yeah, we're not reading thousands of personal statements. That's a good point. Yeah. We're reading like our friends or our families or like close people in our circles. Yeah. And we get like, oh, I have to read this again. Like, <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, I would just say like, there's a lot of self-reflection that people don't really touch on because it's hard to verbalize why you want to do something I, yeah. without seeming like you're trite or like shallow i guess you have um, to show emotion i would yeah. say that's something that i didn't do my first couple of times like people right. people just want to sound like they just make it a laundry list like they just sound so robotic like yeah they, they say like i maybe someone says like i fell and i destroyed my teeth like my teeth were like all broken and uh the dentist fixed them for me like so it had no emotional impact on you like this is a big life event yeah like, i was you know i was in a dark place i I found myself like unwilling to speak to a lot of friends. Like I kind of isolated myself. Like talk about the emotional impact it had on you and how you can envision yourself, um, you know, affecting other people's lives in that way. What have you seen during your volunteering or your shadowing that's, that like was transformative for a patient? Like, and how did that sit with you? How can you see yourself in that position, giving that kind of care to a patient? Absolutely. And what you're talking right now is all analysis and reflection. And just so whoever's watching, you can have an idea if you're going through your own personal statement and you see like it's like you said, the laundry list of things. If you're just saying what you did and most of your papers that like take, take one example, like going to T-Mom, Texas Mission of Mercy. You say, I did this and I worked with these many people. Two sentences max, right? Five sentences should be all reflection. Yeah and analysis of what you yeah. did. Don't feel bad. At the very least, you've got some groundwork for your personal statement. Yeah. You know, you, you've listed some things that you've done and that's good content. Now, really reflect, figure out why those were important to you, exactly. what kind of impact they had on you. Yeah, right. don't, don't fret. What would you say is probably the most challenging part of the application cycle aside from the DAT? When you first apply, you think you're done after you hit submit, you're mistaken. There are a lot of supplemental questions that you'll have for schools, you know, essays that are a lot longer than you expect. Uh, I think, I don't know which schools off the top of my head, but some have like a 3000 character, like optional essay that you have to write. Those are not optional at all. You gotta, you gotta do those. Um, I would say that's the biggest part. And then really like once you're done submitting your application, start preparing for interviews immediately. Why do you want to be a dentist? Tell me about yourself. Uh, you know, those kind of general ones. And then uh, after that, just speak to people, you know, have conversations, be willing to hold a conversation with someone, sound interesting. Um, yeah, don't memorize too much about the questions. I'll say the interview is the biggest part after after all that. Yeah. You may apply to 20 schools and then you realize like 15 of them have supplementals. So yeah, you're not really done until you finish those supplementals. Um, and then some of those of them, some of them have like really long yeah. essay questions like you were saying. Exactly. That's actually something that is unknown yeah. from the pre-dental community. They're, if you tell them, if you tell somebody that's about to apply for the first time, oh, are you ready for supplementals? They'll have a heart attack because they don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. So the supplemental part is exactly the time frame you have to allot 
into your process. So if you're applying in June when it opens, expect everything to not be done by mid to end August. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're applying and submitting stuff in August, that means your stuff's not going to be done till September. Yeah. So people don't remember that. And that's a really good point that y'all brought up regarding supplementals. So I'm sure there's a bunch of emotions and excitement going on with you guys. Again, congratulations. Really happy for you guys. Um, did you guys have any question about D1 year, what to expect or anything like that? For myself and I guess everyone else listening, uh, you know, I think we all wonder how do we prepare, like what, what should we be doing during this time? And I've kind of, I've kind of resigned myself to the fact that I'm not going to prepare. I'm just going to relax try to enjoy my time off what would you say like is there a is there a balance between like preparing and trying to get ahead and just fully relaxing the thing people worry about the most is oh my gosh i don't know if i'm ready to do all these science classes and like how is it going to be how do i get ahead don't do anything just sit down relax spend time with your family spend time with yourselves do whatever you want to do do nothing academic related nothing absolutely nothing i'm telling you like some people, okay, if you're trying to do a residency program and you know that you got to be top 10, go ahead, do whatever you need to do, research, all those stuff, go ahead. But if you know you're trying to be a general dentist and you know that you're not having high goals like that or whatever, just relax, spend time because you're not going to have this time that you're going to, that you're having right now. You're not going to have it. The longest break you'll get is a week, maybe two. That's it. That's it. Absolutely. it. And you have to fit in like your life with, of your family and friends is going to still have be going on in Houston. You're going to you're going to miss events. You're going to miss weddings. You're going to miss birthdays. You're going to miss anything like you could. So you just make sure you're making use of all that time you have right now. And everyone's going to forget you not really care. Trust me, they're going to move past you. They're not going to care. <laughs> like, who's I'm trying to say, like, you'll know who matters. Yeah. When you come back here, they'll hit you up. Yeah. If they're not hitting you up, that doesn't mean they don't like you. That just means that they have their own life, too. Yeah. They like you as a friend, but they're not going to, like, constantly hit you up. Like, oh, how's it going? Are you back here? But some people will. And you'll know who you'll be willing to give that time to. Yeah. That's all that matters. That's all it is. That was something that I learned actually yeah. uh, early on. I'd say, yeah, it's like you learn to, it's not like you appreciate the other people less, but you're just like, wow, these, these people really care about me. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And they're willing to wait around yeah. for you to come back after, you know, several months to years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How hard was it to balance day-to-day, you know, adult responsibilities, go to school, go to Sim Lab and do all that stuff? Like, were you always busy or do you have any type of, I don't know, like, are you always doing something all the time or how much time do you have to like even enjoy things like going to Grand Canyon and stuff? Like, were there any problems like your relationship with your wife? Because I mean, I'm not saying that I should, there are going to be problems, but I mean, there's expectations you got to manage in your family and with other people around you while you're doing something that's going to like take up all your time. A lot of things in this question, so I'm going to try my best yeah, to tackle sorry. them. So the the first thing is you're definitely going to first have to learn how much time you have to put in to get whatever grade you want. And it's going to take some experimentation. You might have to change your study method. And like some people are straight up used to writing notes by hand yeah. for everything. And in dental school, it's impossible. It's like absolutely impossible. But I was like that too. 
don't worry. I think I, I got you scared right there, but no. no. <laughs> I just... What free time will I have? People don't think they'll have any free time, but you will. Yeah. And you have to you have to do stuff that'll keep you sane during using that free time. Traveling, going outside, playing sports, working out, whatever it is. So once you figure out how much time you have to put in a class, you just keep that routine and apply it to every class. There'll be some classes like head and neck or well, and, and anatomy classes that you'll be told from upperclassmen that it's going to take more time. It's a little bit more challenging. So you can just tweak it a little bit. So you'll have free time and you definitely want to make use of it. In terms of relationships during the process, you it, it's definitely easier if your partner is not only in the same program, but in any school. So my wife, she's also in a master's program right now. So even though we're doing different things, we're always involved with maintaining just being busy with whatever we need to do now whereas if somebody else is maybe not in school even if they're working or just keeping themselves busy they'll have something that they won't feel like oh i'm not as busy as the other person mm -hmm. so as long as that's going on then you can continue a healthy like relationship throughout the process our school has a google calendar so we get to see all of our due dates all of our exams and i just plan everything around that so in my Google Calendar, like I'll put just, you know, when you're studying, you forget sometimes like, oh, yeah, we have to figure out food for today. So if you I literally have a reminder on my Google Calendar, what are we doing for food at 5 p.m. so that I'm like thinking about it ahead of time. So like if Juhi made food one day, then I'll make food the next day or whatever. So stuff we just like take turns and. You know, you just got to figure out. And the good thing for you guys, you're going to have the same schedule. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys can kind of figure that out. And we have certain days during the week where we agree to eat out. Yeah. And naturally, you're going to do that too. Because when you're in a graduate program, you can't cook every single day. So yeah, just make sure to have a Google account. Even if your school doesn't have one, make one for yourself. All of the due dates, all of the exams, all the holidays. And you can even share it with your class if you want to. And then you can add stuff to it that's more personal life stuff within there. So you just have a good blueprint of how your entire week is going to be. And so, yeah, for sure. That's what I would recommend. I've been, I did that for DAT studying specifically because if you don't have a schedule, you don't even know what the heck you're doing sometimes. And then another thing we've been doing is kind of like figuring out how to cook certain things and like, okay, this is a good recipe for dental school because it takes like like 25 minutes to prepare so yeah buy an instant pot today really <laughs> buy it literally just there's so many recipes called dump and go recipes yeah, yeah, yeah. like chicken and rice or like soup or whatever yeah. you can do whatever you want one pot. one pot literally you just put in whatever the heck you want you can make spanish rice steak chicken pasta dump and go bro literally yeah. like literally nothing no effort buy one it's it's well worth it yeah, air fryer. Oh, air fryer. I have that too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if you guys have any questions, just ask. If you guys like a moving advice or school advice, just let me know if you guys have anything. And thank you again for being a part of this uh, episode, man. Thank you so much. Good luck in dental school. Right, thank, thank you. You, you too. <laughs> Hope it goes well. Yeah. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to give us an honest review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. 
Be sure to check out our prior episodes in our segments termed PDS, Pursuing Dental School, CDS, Current Dental Students, LFD, Learn from Dentists, and TRW, The Real World. Thank you so much. Catch you on the next one. Peace.